So welcome again to New Hope Chapel Sunday morning prayer and worship service. Title of my sermon this morning is Prayer, Hotline to Heaven. My text is the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 to 15, and there it is. I will note that there's an error. I won't spend as much time describing the error as I did in the first service. But if you look at the alphabet C, it's A, B, C, number one for C, oh, it says start with praise. How was that fixed? You fixed? Okay, I made a mistake, and now I have made another mistake. For, for a, a pastor that, that makes such few mistakes, it said the wrong thing this morning for the first service, and now it's fixed. You see, God's hand is in everything. No one asks, who did it? <laughs> anyway, there it is. That's for your easy reference, easy to follow, and uh, I think that's great. It's easy to throw me off my game, isn't it? Well, I always look to Psalm 1914 to seek an anointing on my words. Clearly, these words are mine, but the thoughts, it comes from the mind of God. And so I just want to do justice to his thoughts that he's communicating through me to you. And so, dear Lord, this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen? Amen. You know, I found it very interesting to discover that according to a Gallup poll, 78% of Americans say they pray once a week. And 57% of Americans report that they pray at least once a day. Now, obviously, the reason why people pray, if in fact they do pray, is because they think prayer is effective. But that raises a question. Just how effective is their praying? Nobody who has ever lived knew more about praying than our Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells us in our text, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 to 15, how we can be sure we connect with God every time we pray. He tells us literally how to get on the hotline to heaven. So on your hotline first, consider, as you pray, pray secretly. The Lord Jesus takes it for granted that his people will pray. You know, in verse 5 it says, when you pray, not if you pray. And then verse 6 again says, if you pray, not if you pray. And verse 7 tells us, when you pray, not if you pray. The issue for the Lord Jesus is not whether you will pray, but where you will pray, what you will pray, and why you will pray. So the first advice that Jesus gives us is this. When you pray, pray secretly. Our text, verse 5, states, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. I Surely I say to you, they have their reward. 
Now, you need to understand what Jesus is referring to here. The Pharisees loved to pray in two places. They loved to pray in the synagogue, and they loved to pray on the street corners. And the reason they loved to pray in these places was because that's where most people were gathered. And the Pharisees were very clever. Every afternoon, sacrifices would be offered at the temple. At the same time, every day, a trumpet would blow and would signal that it was time to pray. Wherever you were and whatever you were doing, you were expected to stop. You were expected to stand and turn toward the temple and begin to pray. The Muslims still do that, turning to Mecca. Well, the Pharisees, who loved to make a show of their religion, realized that this was a great opportunity to strut their stuff. It was a great way to show off their spirituality. So they would time their prayers so that when the trumpet would blow, they would be standing at the busiest corner in that city, and there they would pray. Now, I want you to understand that Jesus was not condemning public prayer. The Bible is full of public prayer. Jesus prayed publicly even when he was dying on the cross. And, of course, the Holy Spirit was sent on Pentecost and arrived during a prayer meeting. You know, prayer ought to be a part of every corporate worship service at every spiritual meeting. Jesus was not condemning public prayers. He was condemning the desire to be seen praying publicly. Jesus said there is a lot of public praying that is like that. It is praying to be seen by others, but nobody is on the other end of the line. Real, personal prayer, attention-getting prayer, God-honoring prayer, spirit-answered prayer is prayed in secret. To be sure, verse 6 states, But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father, who is in the secret place, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. You know why the secret place is so important to God? Because when you are in your closet, when you're in the secret place, there is no applause. No clapping for your religious performance. There is no acclaim, no one telling you what a great prayer that was. There are no awards, no plaques or trophies telling you about your skill in praying. When you're in the secret place, it's just God. And that's what God wants, just you and him. The next time you pray, ask yourself a question. Do I pray frequently or more fervently when I'm alone with God than when I'm in public? Is my public praying an overflow of my private praying? Am I thinking of what others are thinking about when I'm praying? Am I looking for just the right phrase? Am I thinking more about the people who are worshiping with me than the one who is supposed to be worshiped? In other words, ask this simple question. Am I praying to God or am I performing? Secondly, consider your outline. As you pray, pray sincerely. 
Now Jesus goes a step further in telling us not only where to pray, but in what to pray, or really what not to pray. Our text, verse 7, states, But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Here he's talking about rote praying. Just going by the numbers, using the same old worn-out cliches and phrases. You know, some responsive prayers in some churches are examples of that. Saying the same thing over and over and over, joined with other people, without really putting any heart into that prayer. Today, Buddhists have little prayer wheels. They continually turn that prayer wheel, hoping that first this prayer, and then that prayer will go up to heaven. There are others who use rosaries or prayer beads, and they just say the same prayer over and over and over. And Jesus says, that is not the kind of prayer that gets the Lord's attention. Well, Jesus said, it is not how much you say to God that causes him to hear your prayers, but it is how you say what you say to God that gets his attention. John Bunyan, the great Christian, once said, when you pray, It would be better to let your heart be without words than to let your words be without heart. Charles Spurgeon said, the prayer of the heart is the heart of prayer. Listen, God, the praying that that God hears, the preaching that God hears, the singing that God hears is not what comes out of the lips. It's what comes out of the heart. Someone has said that God does not respect the arithmetic of our prayers. It's not how much we say. God does not respect the rhetoric of our prayers. It's not how eloquent we pray. God does not respect the logic of our prayers. It's not how methodical our prayers might be. God respects the sincerity of our prayers, how heartfelt they are. And that is why Jesus goes on to say in verse 8, Therefore, Do not be like them, for your Father knows you have need of before you ask Him. God already knows what you need. As a matter of fact, God not only already knows what you need, but He knows what you need before you knew yourself what you were going to need. And when God, when you pray to God, you're praying to an omnipotent God who can answer any prayer that you have, but also to an omniscient God that already knows what you need before you ask for it. And sometimes we don't realize that. Repetitive praying doesn't alert or inform God any better to what you need. He already knows. That's why when you go to God, just talk to God secretly. Just talk to God simply. Just talk to God sincerely. That does raise one question I have to answer. And that is people will say, well, if God already knows what I need before I pray, why pray? Let me tell you two reasons why. First of all, God tells us to pray. That's all you need to know. That's enough. But secondly... Do not be unclear about this. 
we can secure by prayer that which we will not have if we do not pray. James chapter 4, verse 2 tells us, you do not have because you do not ask. And three, consider in your outline as you pray, pray systematically. The Lord Jesus, listen, then gives us the perfect model of prayer. He's not telling us in this prayer what to pray. You don't have to memorize it. He's telling us how to pray. It is amazing how beautifully simple and yet how simply beautiful prayer really is. He said in real prayer you ought to do four things. First, start with praise. Our text, verse 9 and 10 states, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means to revere his name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've already learned that the secret to real prayer is prayer not to the Father, but to your Father. He says in verse 6, pray to your Father. You cannot pray to a God you do not know, and even you may believe in God, but you cannot pray to God if you do not know that God as a son knows his Father. And at the same time, if God is your Father and you are his child, then you should talk to God just as a child would talk to his Father, his Daddy. Abba, Father. Now one of the things that Jesus is trying to teach us is that prayer is to be a simple act of a child talking to his father. In fact, that is the first real secret of prayer. Focus on the Father. And as we pray, we are to make sure that we revere God's name. That is the first purpose of prayer, to lift up the name of God, to magnify God's name, to exalt God's name, to bless God's name. You know, in the Bible, a name represented character. And we are to praise and glorify God because of the great, mighty, masterful, merciful God that he is. And when you focus on the Father, you will want the Father's will to be done in your life. You see, prayer is not to get what you want, it's to get what God wants. Prayer is not to tell God what's on your mind. Prayer is to find out what's on his mind. And the purpose of prayer is not to get God in line with your will. It's to get your will in line with his. So first of all, you start with praise. Secondly, share your petition. Our text, verse 11, states, Give us this day our daily bread. Now, bread in Jesus' day represented survival. It represented needs. You had to have bread in order to survive. So we are to go to God with all of our needs. Now, I emphasize the word needs. Where many people get off track with prayer is this. They think prayer is to get what they want when actually it is to get what they need. 
James chapter 4, verse 3 says, You ask and do not receive, because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Jesus said, We are to ask for bread, not apple pie. The Bible says that God shall supply all of your needs. It does not say he will supply all of your wants. Third, seek God's pardon. Verse 12 states, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I like another version. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others their trespasses against us. In all praying, we must do two things. We need to get forgiveness. We need to remember that if there is sin in our hearts, there is going to be a leak in our prayers. You not only pray to a heavenly Father, you are praying to a holy Father. And if you have a rebellious spirit or a stubborn heart that refuses to let go of sin in your life, your prayers will be no more effective than a rubber ball bouncing off a steel ceiling. Because sin short-circuits the power of prayer. Every prayer should contain confession and cleansing. And just as clogged arteries must be cleared in order for the blood to flow easily, the prayer channel to heaven must be freed from all the debris of sin in order for prayer to flow to God. But not only are we to get forgiveness, we are to give forgiveness. There can be no worship upward, heavenward, unless there is fellowship, earthward. You cannot be right with God if you're not right with your brother or sister. A grudge is a sludge that dams the river of prayer. If you're going to expect to get forgiveness from God, you've got to be willing to give that forgiveness to others. That's why we must seek God's pardon. And fourth, secure God's power. Verse 13 states, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We are to pray every day to be delivered from the evil one. You're in a war right now. Whether you can hear the shout, the shots being fired or not, and your war is with the devil. Even as I'm preaching this message, the devil is doing everything he can to discourage you, defile you, defeat you, and devour you. Hear me clearly. You can only have protection in this spiritual war through prayer. And I want you to think about something. We do need to pray for God to forgive us our sins. But I'm afraid that we spend too much time asking for forgiveness and not enough time asking for deliverance. Too often, the average Christian spends all of his life confessing to God the same old sins over and over and over. What he needs to be doing is spending less time confessing the same old sins and more time praying for deliverance from those sins. That's why all prayer should end up in victory. Victory over sin, victory over self, and victory over Satan. Now Jesus had been concerned in this entire chapter with hypocrisy. 
Here he tells us, don't be hypocritical in your praying. I can't help but think of the words of Jesus in Matthew 15, verses 7 to 9, when he said, hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me? And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Put simply, don't be hypocritical in where you pray, in what you pray, or why you pray. Oh, listen, I cannot say our if I'm not in fellowship with other Christians. I cannot say Father if I do not demonstrate that relationship in my daily life. I cannot say in heaven if I'm so occupied with earth that I never give heaven a thought. I cannot say hallowed be your name if I do not by my holy living exalt his name. I cannot say your kingdom come if I'm, doing not, if I'm not doing all in my power to expect its coming. I cannot say your will be done if I'm not obedient to the will of God in my life. I cannot say on earth as it is in heaven unless I am prepared to give my life to him on earth as I will in heaven. And I cannot say give us this day our daily bread if I'm not trusting him for my every need. I cannot say forgive my debts as we forgive our debtors if I harbor a grudge against anyone. I cannot say, and lead us not into temptation if I deliberately place myself in a place, position to be tempted. I cannot say, deliver us from the evil one if I'm not prepared to fight evil in the spiritual realm with the weapon of prayer. But if you are willing to pray this type of prayer and mean it, not just with your words, but with your walk, you will have a hotline to heaven. Amen? Service is over. And as you go, re- remember to maintain an attitude of, worship, of prayer. Pray to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, for here we worship the one true God. Abandon sin so as to clear the path to God. You do want him to hear your prayers don't you? Amen. We'll see you next week.